Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Four Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every single little part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. I'm your host, my name is Joseph Scrimshaw. With me, as almost always, 
is a very small sip of whiskey, a little bit of positivity fuel. Anyway, that's probably a dangerous line of thought. The point is, I'm happy to be here, happy to be talking to you, the listeners, about Star Wars. The point of this podcast is to go toward the light, to try to look at the things that maybe we don't like about Star Wars that fester in our souls and they grow into darkness and darkness and pull us toward the light, toward a different point of view, a point of view that is the twin suns, not setting, but rising, rising in our souls. Let's get them suns rising in our souls. I have one grievance this episode, but it is one that I think many different fans are wrestling with. Uh, Many fans have expressed this concern, this fear, uh, this trepidation, and uh, I picked out one particular person who sent it in to me recently to discuss this, and this grievance is Han Solo excitement. Are people excited about Han Solo? A question I never thought I would say out loud, and yet, here we are. Here we go. Uh, This is sent in by Byron. Uh, His Twitter handle is at Byron underscore BS, and uh, Ron says, I find myself more apprehensive about the solo film after reading the synopsis. The whole concept is based around known entities, but it seems more than ever like a prequel no one asked for. Help me at Joseph Scrimshaw. You're my only hope. That's right. I just read my name as a Twitter handle. I am lucky that I get through life without introducing myself to people in person is at Joseph Scrimshaw. Hi, I'm at Joseph no underscore Scrimshaw. Just one word. Anyway, let's get back to Han Solo. Excuse me. At Han underscore Solo. First off, I just want to say that this one of this is one of those episodes of Star Wars counseling and uh, Force Center and Star Wars podcasting in general that's going to be really fun to look back on. Probably about five seconds after it's released, when the trailer for Solo comes out and makes almost all of this totally not relevant anymore. Let's enjoy. This beautiful moment of innocence when we know next to nothing about the film Solo, a Star Wars story, and let's have some fun trying to get more excited about the film despite our fears, concerns, and general lack of interest. Let's have a sip of whiskey or whatever kind of beverage you enjoy while listening to Star Wars podcasts and get into this. That was an extra loud sip. I apologize. Now, I want to start off with uh, the honesty that sometimes the different grievances come in from Star Wars counseling, and sometimes they're a grievance I kind of agree with. It's something that bothers me, too. Sometimes it's something where, like, eh, I can see that. And sometimes it's something where I, myself, am already on the side of light. And when it comes to this solo film, I am on the side of light. I am so excited for this film. And it could be that I am totally wrong. The movie could come out, and it could bug the hell out of me, and I could not like it. But right now, in this beautiful moment of innocence, I am so excited for this film. Let's start with the synopsis that Ron referenced that came out recently. The synopsis says... Board the Millennium Falcon and journey to a galaxy far, far away in Solo, colon, a Star Wars story, an all-new adventure with the most beloved scoundrel in the galaxy. Through a series of daring escapades deep within a dark and dangerous criminal underworld, Han Solo meets his mighty future co-pilot Chewbacca and encounters 
the notorious gambler Lando Calrissian in a journey that will set the course of one of the Star Wars saga's most unlikely heroes. Now, there are so many great words in this blurb, this synopsis. Adventure, scoundrel, daring, criminal, underworld, Chewbacca, Lando, notorious, unlikely heroes, gambler, just all of those words. If they had just put those up as like a word cloud and that was the ad for Han Solo, I would be excited. Now, I understand uh, Ron's concern, and, and we will be addressing that, that is this just more of the same? Like, yes, this synopsis is saying, hey, do you remember Han Solo and all this stuff that he's about and all the people he knows and his ship? Well, that's going to be the movie. And I understand that some people are hearing that as, ugh, it's nothing new. But to me, that is exactly what is exciting. It is a part of the Star Wars galaxy that is so vital to what I love about Star Wars, and we haven't been spending a lot of time there. The scoundrels, the gangsters, the blasters, the deals gone wrong as you're running away from bounty hunters or Imperials. That is a part of the DNA of Star Wars that we haven't really seen on screen in a while. And if we have, it's been sharing the story with uh, all of the Force and the destiny and all of that stuff. But this, this is just... Han Solo and his Han Solo oeuvre. I would have been happy if they called the film The Han Solo Oeuvre, A Star Wars Story. Now go back with me to the thrilling days of yesteryear to May 25th, 1977. Star Wars comes out, and it is a unique combination of the new and the old. I always go on about that. I'm going to go on about that some more. But it's not just the new and the old. It's like what I would argue these sort of three pockets of ideas that are represented by our big three, Luke, Leia, and Han. Now, you got your Luke. Luke is all about the Force, fate, destiny, staring off into the sunset. Leia is about duty, responsibility, the rebellion, the politics, the needs of the galaxy. Han Solo is about Ah, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. Han Solo is about being a scoundrel, about gambling, about trying not to join up, not to be caught into that, to not listen to the songs of your better angels, but instead to just take care of yourself. You got a trusty blaster by your side. You had to dump some spice. You got some bounty hunters on the back, but you're going to smart mouth and shoot your way out of it. And you are just going to rely on your dumb luck and your bravado. It is scummy, but it is classy and fun. Classy is the opposite of scummy. Anyway, I mean charm. I mean the roguish charm of this seedy, underbelly of Star Wars. That is what Han Solo represents, and that is a part of Star Wars that we haven't been focusing on. Now, uh, when I was growing up, kids were Luke or Han or Leia. That is kind of how you identified. I liked all three of them, but I grew up in a household where I had to choose because I had one brother and not a lot of other friends. Anyway, I was a Luke. I wanted to be a Luke. I identified with Luke. I remember a specific moment in my life when I was a very young child, and I thought, hey, Han Solo's a cool guy. I wonder if I look like Han Solo. And I looked in the mirror, and I said, no, I do not have those roguish good looks. I am a pensive, thin little guy. 
I am Luke Skywalker. My brother, my brother was a Han. He was always trying to take the long odds. There was one time where we were going to move to a different place, and my parents sat us down at the dining room table and said, hey, we're going to move. Do you guys want to move? And we liked where we were then. We had friends, and my brother didn't want to move. Do you know what he did? He went and got his Bespin Han Solo action figure, took that as his one possession, got on his bike, and ran away. Took the long odds. He was only gone for about 15 minutes, got annoyed that none of us noticed that he was missing, came back and let us know what he had done. But the point is, at that time, he really invoked the spirit of Han Solo. Nobody controls his destiny. He was a Han. So I feel like this is really deep in the DNA of Star Wars that Luke, Han, Leia represent different ideas. And we as Star Wars fans have been spending most of our time with the ideas that are sort of represented in the original film by Luke and Leia. Because the prequels, the Clone Wars animated series, we've been spending a ton of time on the Jedi, on the Force, on Destiny. And even Rogue One and Rebels, which uh, aren't as Force-focused, I obviously know Star Wars Rebels has uh, Kanan and it has Ezra and it has episodes where they're very concerned about the Force and the nature of the Force, but they also have other characters in, in plots like the Mandalorians and the history of Resistance on Ryloth, uh, the whole nature of Zeb being what he believes to be the last of his kind, the last of the Lasats, only to discover he is not. I would consider a lot of that stuff part of the Leia DNA of the original Star Wars. It is about the rebellion. It is about duty. It is about sacrifice. It is about the goal of freedom. It is about restoring hope in the galaxy. Han Solo never says a damn thing about hope. Han Solo's hope is to just get out of this scrape, make a little bit of money so he can maybe go to a cantina and maybe have a drink with Lando and then go off to his next adventure, running away from his feelings and on to the next adventure with his trusty co-pilot Chewbacca. So between the prequels, the Clone Wars, Rogue One, Rebels, the new sequel trilogy, we've seen a little bit of fun bounty hunter stuff, but it's always sort of uh, entangled with the larger story of either the Rebellion or war against the Sith or war against the First Order. We got a big burst of that a roguish Han Solo charm in The Force Awakens. We got some classic Han Solo lines. That's not how the Force works. But I would still put all of our Star Wars content into that uh, section of uh, the Force, the Destiny, the Rebellion, the Sacrifice. This new movie, Solo, colon, A Star Wars Story, I think is going to be exactly what the synopsis says. Just the part of the original Star Wars film that is Han Solo, that is scoundrels and gambling. Just what the synopsis is saying. A big, fun, daring adventure. Maybe we'll get some nice bounty hunters. Not bounty hunters that are being uh, paid to try to take down the Jedi. Not bounty hunters who are just reporting to the First Order. All great. I love bounty hunters in any context, but I want some bounty hunters as they were introduced 
to us in the original trilogy. The existence of bounty hunters was known to us, the audience, as the natural enemy of Han Solo. Because Han Solo makes these dangerous deals. He goes through the galaxy scraping by and pissing people in cool armor off. I want to see a movie full of pissed off bounty hunters. Let's sit, get some agitated bosk up in there. Let's find out that sure, yeah, why not? Han Solo did give those scars to Dengar. I know that's a dangerous one. I know some people don't want that. But the point is, I want to see bounty hunters back in their original context as the natural enemies of Han Solo operating in this grimy underworld, as the synopsis says, that is maybe tolerated by the Empire, maybe used by the Empire, but is its own whole microcosm and whole social political reality. Plus, if there are some bounty hunters in there, we're going to get so many more weirdos to fight on our Force Center show, Databank Brawl. Now, I want to get back to this very understandable concern that this is all just too familiar. You might be listening to this podcast. You might be sipping whatever podcast fluid you enjoy and saying, Joseph, you're describing all this stuff that we have seen before. Now, I understand that concern. We know we are going to see some familiar characters like uh, Han Solo and Lando Calrissian and Chewbacca. And we know that we are going to see the Millennium Falcon in action. You might be saying, well, I've already seen that stuff. To me, this is where my opinion of Star Wars being a mix of the old and the new really comes into play. Star Wars has always been looking both back and forward for its inspiration. And honestly, I think that's what's going on right now. Rogue One is a great example of that. Rogue One had all sorts of familiar things. Rogue One had stuff that we have seen before, but we saw it in a new context, a new era of filmmaking, and the movie was making a new point. Uh, Luke Skywalker was a new hope, but for it to be even possible that that hope could play out, there had to be all of these people with no force abilities, all of these uh, little people who just out of faith, out of hope, made this big sacrifice. So you had the new and the old. Sure, you saw Ponda Baba and Dr. Evazin. Sure, there was a, a shot that lingered on blue milk. It was all sorts of things that we had seen before. We even saw unused footage from the original Star Wars film, A New Hope. And yet, many, many fans really responded to Rogue One because I think for the most part it was very successful of not just using nostalgia as a hook. It wasn't like, hey, hey fans, I know you're not going to like some of this new stuff, so here's Pone Baba. It was sort of there out of love because Gareth Edwards loved Pone Baba and Dr. Evazin. He probably played with his walrus man when he was a little boy, just like I did. I played with my walrus man. My point is uh, two things here. Rogue One, set in a general similar time frame to the Han Solo movie, saw uh, some things that were familiar explained some things that we already kind of knew. We knew that some rebels stole the Death Star plans, and this showed us that story. And yet, many, many fans really loved it. So I think just because it's very familiar doesn't mean that it is necessarily going to be bad. The other bit of counseling I would give with this is if you are going to be 
upset or frightened by the familiar in Star Wars, you are always going to be upset or frightened because I think that is a part of it. I think even Ryan Johnson's new trilogy that we know nothing about, he's still, his starting point, which he said in an interview is, I'm going to try to really distill what makes a story a Star Wars story. Star Wars is always going to be both the old and the new. In terms of new, a thing that I'm excited about is I'm excited to see if any of the rumors are true that the Empire plays a role in Solo, Cola, and a Star Wars story. If we're going to see CGI Grand Moff Tarkin again, or if we're going to see Darth Vader, or even if we're just going to see, like, Ray Sloan, who so far just exists in the canon books and comics, if we're going to see an Imperial presence, that would be pretty fascinating to me, because that's the old and the new right there. We know the Empire. We know these characters. But how exactly do they interact with the underworld. It is an interesting socio-political time in Star Wars where the cruelty of the Empire might force people like Han Solo into lives of crime. He's from Corellia. We think, we assume that he is still going to be an orphan in this movie, but maybe, maybe if the Republic was still working, there wouldn't be this world of crime that had developed and really grown stronger under the brutal and uncaring government that is the Empire. I'm really fascinated to see how the Empire itself is portrayed in this movie. That said, and in containing all of my excitement, I want to address some of the questions about the movie, some of the uh, really understandable fears. First one being, will Alden Ehrenreich be good? Will he do a good job playing young Han Solo? Here is my opinion. I think Alden Ehrenreich will be charming. My evidence of that is I've seen him in other movies, and he is charming and captivating and roguish and has a good Han Solo energy to him. Now, the question is, how jarring will it be to see another human being play Han Solo? And I think culturally, we kind of have an answer to that. I don't think, here's my guess, I do not think that Alden Ehrenreich will be doing a Harrison Ford impression. I don't think he should do a Harrison Ford impression. I think this is a case of Chris Pine. I think he should be exactly like Chris Pine in the Star Trek movies. Chris Pine is not doing a William Shatner impression. He's playing Captain Kirk. He is playing the essence of the character. And every once in a while, he does some very specific Shatnerism. And I think that would be great. I think that would be pitch perfect. If we meet Han Solo, younger than we knew him, beginning to form his views of the galaxy, planting the seeds of him becoming a hero, but not having those uh, uh, seeds bloom fully, This will not be full bloom Han Solo. This will be little seeds of hope Han Solo, little seeds of heroic Han. But other than that, we just need a young, cocky, roguish, soulful performance. Because I think there are going to be moments in this film 
that are about how Han Solo gets wounded, about how he uh, experiences things that make him decide to kind of shut off his emotions and only look out for himself. Who knows what is going to happen? Maybe he crashes a plane or two. That will invoke Harrison Ford. That's great. I think that my big picture thing is when you're looking at a character that is a legend as the character but is also synonymous with the performer who is in and of themselves a legend. You don't play the person, you play the character. And will it be jarring that maybe he has some different mannerisms, maybe he has a different voice, maybe he just doesn't uh, quite have that toss-over-the-shoulder delivery that Harrison Ford does so well? Will that be jarring? Maybe. But I think we're just going to be pulled in to the performance of a charming, solid actor. And then, if that goes well, maybe Alden Ehrenreich can actually make a Harrison Ford biopic where he does actually play Harrison Ford himself, where he gets made up in age makeup, has an earring, and kind of grumbles about Star Wars for about 20 years. Until then, he turns around and embraces it again. That would be a fun story, and I'd be happy to see Alden Ehrenreich play Harrison Ford. But I think in this movie, I think the creators will have made the wise choice to make sure that Alden Ehrenreich is playing the spirit of Han Solo and not an impression of Harrison Ford. Now, next up on my questions of concerns that I think a lot of people have about this film is, will it be a laundry list of every Han Solo detail we know? Will we see the Kessel Run? Will we see Han meeting Chewie? I think the answer to that one based on the synopsis is yes. Will we see him getting the Falcon from Lando? Mm, sounds like they're good odds. Will we see Han meeting Jabba for the first time? We know nothing about that. Will we see him pissing off Boba Fett or Dengar? Will we see him picking up that training remote that's on the Falcon at, like, you know, a used training remote store. Who knows? Will we see him going shopping and picking out his pants with a Corellian blood stripe? Will every little Han Solo detail we know be captured on film? Will half of the film be an elaborate explanation of the scar on Han Solo's chin? Who knows? I really hope not, and my guess is I don't think it is going to go through and tick off all of the boxes. Now, some of it is obviously there. We are going to see Han meet Chewie because the synopsis just straight up says that. We know that both the Falcon and Lando are in play, so it does seem to make sense that we will see Han winning the Falcon from Lando, and that's fine. But I don't think we're going to see every little thing, and I think that for one specific reason. I think that Lucasfilm is still experimenting. I think they are still trying to figure out what do creators want to create and what do they as a company want to offer fans to keep us excited, to keep us engaged, to keep us making and listening to Star Wars podcasts? And I think a part of that calculation would be, let's leave some room for a Han Solo sequel. And uh, if this takes off or, or maybe even a Lando sequel or who knows how fascinating some of these new characters will be. Maybe Amelia Clark will do a whole Han Solo spinoff movie. The point is, I feel like they want to leave a little bit of room for this to be successful. Now, I could be entirely 
wrong here. This might be one of the things that it's fun to look back, listen back, and go, wow, he was amazingly wrong. Maybe this film will end with Han Solo sitting down at the cantina and saying, uh, hey, Chewie, can you go get us a drink? Uh, look, at there's an old farmer or maybe Jedi over there. And see if he wants anything. And that will be we're at the end of the movie and roll credits. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to be that on the nose. But I could absolutely be wrong. That is my hope that they don't just tie it all into a bow, but rather they introduce us to this era of adventure, this kind of adventure playing in this criminal underworld that we haven't seen in a long time, that we haven't spent a lot of quality time in in a long time, and leave it open for even more daring adventures. Now, this film has been described as an origin film of an explanation of how Han Solo became Han Solo, and I know that is a thing that concerns fans, and I understand I'm with you on that too. Uh, One of the prequel criticisms, uh, particularly when they first came out, was that they tried to explain things too much. We didn't need midi-chlorians. We didn't need to know who built C-3PO, all that kind of thing, that there are answers to questions that had not really been posed. I think when this film is described as an origin story, I think this is an origin story for Han Solo's soul. I don't think it's necessarily meant to be a point-by-point explanation of every little thing about Han Solo. I think it's that central question of how did he become wounded? How did he get this life perspective that he tells us, that he tells Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi right there in the Falcon in the very first Star Wars film that he is the one that he needs to look out for, that he is by himself in the universe, which is not very nice to say when he travels constantly with Chewbacca, but Han Solo is out for Han Solo. All the rest of that stuff about the Force and lightsabers and fate and destiny and being a hero and toppling the Empire, that's all just mumbo-jumbo. That's all just dumb suicide talk. Don't join. You got a trusty blaster by your side, and that's all you need in life. How did he come to that point? I think it is going to be a story of that, of an origin of the life perspective of Han Solo. And I think that could be really interesting, particularly when you're contrasting it to things like Rogue One. The other counseling I will give on the fear that the Han Solo movie will be just a bullet point list of how Han Solo became Han Solo is the great book series from the Expanded Universe, the EU, by A.C. Crispin. It is a three-book Han Solo trilogy. I read it uh, once back in the day. I've got it on my bookshelf. I'm going to read it again. This Christmas at Barnes & Noble, I saw they have a collected volume. It's leather-bound, or probably fake leather-bound, whatever that is. Who knows? Maybe it's made out of fathier hoof. That's awful. Anyway, the point is, you can go out and you can read this A.C. Crispin trilogy, and... It basically does exactly what people are concerned about in the movie. It walks through exactly how Han Solo meets and rescues Chewbacca. It goes through uh, Han meeting Lando, Han getting the Falcon from Lando. It uh, goes through some of the emotional wounds that happen to Han Solo. And it really kind of specifically has other characters in it who are similar to Luke and Leia. So you can see 
how Han wants to be attached to other people. He's attracted to being with people. He wants to not be a loner, but he keeps getting hurt. And so he shuts down. And it's really well done in the book. It's got a lot with his relationship with Jabba. It is about his relationship with the uh, the sort of scummy pirate character who pseudo-raised him. All that stuff is in that book, in that book trilogy. I really suspect that the movie is going to, if not pull directly from those books, that it's going to come to some of the same conclusions about events in Han Solo's life because overall, it's just really well done. It works in the story of Han Solo. It works in the spirit of Star Wars. It works in the spirit of being trapped between the seedy underworld and the brave fight of the rebellion and how Han Solo is kind of trapped between those things. So if you're concerned about these about this movie or just curious, I would say join me. Join me in rereading this trilogy. I read it a long time ago. Right now I have really uh, high praise for it. We'll see how I feel on a reread. But I think it might uh, help people calm down some of their fears and maybe even get them excited. Read some of these scenes in this book and go, you know what? It would actually be cool to see this on a big screen. IMAX 3D, Chewbacca smashing stormtroopers as Han Solo helps him escape the chains of the Empire. Hell yeah, I want to see that on a big screen. All right, all right, I got to calm down because I'm getting too excited. Now, I want to address something specifically uh, that Ron, whose grievance I took for this episode, said. Uh, Ron described this as a prequel no one asked for. Now, uh, Ron, I'm, I'm just piggybacking off that phrase. I am not uh, criticizing you or picking on you. I understand where you're coming from, that uh, fans have been vocal about things they're excited about. There are a lot of fans, like myself, who are very excited for an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, or we want to see a, an Old Republic trilogy. There are a lot of things that fans have been vocal about, of like, I, I really want to see this. But... I think there are a couple of things to keep in mind here. First, this isn't really about what fans have asked for because Han Solo was on the books a long, long time ago in the galaxy we live in. Uh, this is part of Lucasfilm's just first wave. This is a part of, hey, we own Star Wars now, says Disney. Lucasfilm, we want you to just really start making lots of Star Wars movies. How many can the market tolerate? How many uh, old stories do we want versus brand new stories do we want? And I know our perspective as fans is we have all this time to digest The Force Awakens and think about that. And then, oh, we have time to digest Rogue One and think about that. But this has been... From Lucasfilm's perspective, this movie is part of their first initial try at Star Wars. Try sounds more negative than I mean. This is their first, basically, like, um, this is their their sample. This is like putting a bunch of stuff out there and going, hey, what does everybody think? That's where the sequel trilogy is. That's where Rogue One is. That's where Han Solo is. I think that's why we still don't have a film announced for 2020 is because they're basically inviting us to the Star Wars buffet and then we are going to go crazy eating it. And if the we go just force feeding ourselves, no pun intended, at the Star Wars buffet and the one thing that nobody ate was macaroni and cheese, they'll just go, ah, 
maybe not macaroni and cheese in the future unless we have an idea for macaroni and cheese. So I don't think this is about what is being asked for. This is about they're trying lots of different things. I also want to say in terms of no one uh, asked for, and again, Ron, I'm I'm just piggybacking off you. I'm not uh, personally coming at you. To me, it is hard to process not wanting a Han Solo movie. I feel like we should not look a a gift horse or a gift Han in the mouth. I'm going to go full middle-aged person on this. I'm going to go full in my day. We're getting a movie with young Han in Lando in my day, I say, on my porch. There are clouds in my lawn that I'm yelling to get off my lawn in my day. I was excited if there was a movie with Harrison Ford in it and he happened to be wearing a vest so I could pretend it was Han Solo. I am not over the excitement of getting more Star Wars content than I can ever dream of in my life. I have gone through Star Wars is dead multiple times. It appeared as though it was never coming back after Return of the Jedi. Then there were a few books, and that was awesome, and then the special editions and the prequels, and then it was gone. It was done. And then George Lucas was like, I'm doing this Clone Wars thing, and that was nice. But then I was just always thinking, like, I wonder if George Lucas will ever pass off the reins, or is it just my Star Wars memories forever? And then, bam! All of this new Star Wars. And for me, I am not personally over this hump of, uh, I don't need anyone to ask me anything. Just give me more Star Wars. And if a movie comes out and I don't like it, I can just not like it. And I think one of the great things about having so much Star Wars content is if you don't like one movie, it's one movie. They're still figuring things out. One movie is not the forever future of Star Wars. It's one movie. It's one approach. It's one idea. It's Lucasfilm and many different writers, directors, creators, designers, trying things out, exploring, doing exactly what George Lucas always said he wanted of like, the Star Wars galaxy is so big. I'm telling the story of the Skywalkers, but it's so big and you could do so many different things. Go do things. Take the action figures out of the package and play with them. And that's what's happening. And I would like to thank David Tennant for bringing me to this realization. I'm going to go on a slight Doctor Who tangent. When uh, Doctor Who went off the air in 1989, I was devastated because it was yet another thing I loved that was gone that I thought would never come back. It's this weird British thing about a person who travels through time in a box that's never going to, nobody's ever going to, and then what do you know? It came back, comes back in 2005. Christopher Eccleston is the doctor. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then he regenerates into David Tennant, the 10th doctor. David Tennant is the 10th doctor, had a very different take on the doctor. He was cheeky, or he was a violent, angry, lonely god, and he was really talking about sex a lot, which the doctor didn't used to do. All of these things. He made all these pop culture jokes and references that the doctor didn't used to do, and I harumphed, and I grumped, and like, well, it's good, but and I, and I know a lot of other people love it, but this is going to be Doctor Who forever, and then the doctor regenerated, and you know what happened? It wasn't Doctor Who forever. 
Matt Smith had a different take. Peter Capaldi had a different take. Jodie Whittaker, as the next Doctor, is going to have a different take. And in retrospect, now I go back and I enjoy the hell out of David Tennant's performance as the 10th Doctor because it's one interpretation of the Doctor. But I trapped myself when he was on air and thinking, this is forever Doctor Who. This is the direction it's going. Like, no, the wheel always keeps turning. Different people try different ideas. If you don't like the, the one that's, uh, that's happening now, try your best to enjoy what's there and realize there's going to be something new before you know it. I also think that as fans, we should definitely want our voices to be heard and considered. I want an Obi-Wan movie. I say it loud and proud. If Lucasfilm put out a poll, I would maybe even try to cheat. Bend the truth, like Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think Obi-Wan Kenobi might find a way to vote twice. I do want my voice heard, but I also want creators to come up with stuff that I would never think to ask for. And maybe they come up with something that I don't like, and that's fine. But I want to be surprised. I don't want the fans to dictate the choices. I want the fans to be considered, but I want the creators to make the choices. No one was clamoring for Star Wars when it came out. No one knew that they wanted this. No one knew that they wanted this thing that was steeped in myth, but also silly and weird and just an epic saga about space wizards just cutting each other apart with laser swords that also had a big dog as a co-pilot for a roguish smuggler. They didn't know they wanted a, a sassy, aggressive princess. They didn't know they wanted these things. And yet we got them. And we're so happy still decades later that we got them. So a lot of that is kind of some uh, counseling on how to cope if you're not excited about the film, or if you don't like the film, here is a reason that I think you actively should be excited. Try not thinking of this as Lucasfilm trotting out a well-known character to just try to appeal to nostalgia. I understand seeing it that way. It's a legitimate way to look at it. But try thinking of it this way. You are going to see a new Lawrence Kasdan joint. Lawrence Kasdan is one of the number one reasons to be excited about Han Solo. He knows the character of Han Solo. He wasn't brought in to just be like, hey, you know what? We're trying to make some money off Han Solo. Could you could you do some Han Solo stuff? He has ideas. He has passion. He knows this character well. Many of your favorite Han Solo lines were written by this man. He recaptured the magic of Han's character really, really well in The Force Awakens, which is a tricky thing to do to introduce us to Han Solo, where he has been a married man for decades. He has a son. He is disappointed about what has happened to his son. He's questioning himself. But Lawrence Kasdan and The Force Awakens team in general managed to show us Han Solo, who was dealing with all those things, who had those old wounds that had been reopened, but was still charming and roguish and funny and willing to take desperate risks and just plow in and rekindle his uh, his spirit of rebellion. And Lawrence Kasdan wants to, to keep telling that story. He wants to tell it now from the other 
end. How did all of this begin? We know all of the adventures, all of the hero's journeys that Han Solo has gone on in his adult life, but how did it all begin? That's a story that Lawrence Kasdan wants to tell, and he wants to tell it with his own son. This is a fun, generational, new and old thing. It's bookends of the epic life of Han Solo. It is not just a corporate idea to sell action figures. I already buy Han Solo action figures. You know what they need to do to make me buy a new Han Solo action figure? Make one. They don't need to make an entire movie to sell Han Solo action figures. They will sell Han Solo action figures more if this movie is amazing, if it is heartfelt, if it is soulful. And I think the thing that makes movies soulful as is a personal connection. And Lawrence Kasdan has a personal connection to Han Solo. He has a personal connection to this story that he just wrote the end of Han's life, and now he's writing the beginning of Han's life with his own son. And we know from some of the -the behind-the-scenes squabbles with the directors, uh, I shouldn't say we know, what has been rumored to have happened is Lawrence Kasdan was on set the whole time. That doesn't always happen with screenwriters. That's someone who cares? That's someone who says, I have a vision and I want this vision to really sing. I want what I imagined on the page to be what fans see on the screen. There is, uh, and not to take away from any of the other creators involved, any of the, the directors, what they contributed, what the designers contributed, what the actors contributed. But if you want to stop and say, This isn't a big corporate thing that's being shoved down my throat. This is a person. One single person cares about this. You can cling to the vision of Lawrence Kasdan. You could go to Lawrence in your mind. Imagine going to Lawrence Kasdan in your mind and saying, I'm concerned about this movie. And he might say to you, well, you know what? I don't care. If there's a 3,720 to 1 chance that the movie will be good, because never tell me the odds, because Lawrence Kasdan probably wrote that line. Okay, again, getting too excited. Calming down. What if the movie is bad? I'm sharing with you lots of reasons that maybe you should be excited about it, maybe lots of ways to cope if it is bad, but what if it is truly bad? truly awful. What if the dialogue is just awkward and clunky? Every single moment is a very predictable uh, beat where uh, Alden Ehrenreich is practically looking at the camera and winking, saying, what? The Kessel Run? I bet I could do that in 12 parsecs. What if for no reason Alden Ehrenreich just speaks in an Austrian accent just because that felt right? What if the movie truly does not exist and is nothing but an iMovie slideshow presentation of Ron Howard's Instagram feed. What if it is that incredibly bad? What if it is the room of Star Wars? What if it is Han Solo in, oh, hi, Chewie? Could it possibly be that bad? I really seriously doubt that. But it's fine as a Star Wars fan to consider. What if it is that unspeakably, unimaginably bad? I see three options for this film. It will either be what I predicted is going to be, a thrilling, fun, scoundrel-packed adventure of charm and blasting things with your trusty DL-44, or 
it will it will be okay. It will be another Star Wars movie that people love parts of, other people really dislike parts of, and that we discuss back and forth, and maybe some fans come to love it uh, after some time, but maybe maybe it's just a meh. Not a fan of meh, but uh, maybe it is meh. Or it will be so incredibly awful that eventually someone will make a great movie about the making of it. Who will play Alden Ehrenreich playing Han Solo in the future? That is a fun thing to imagine. Which of the kids from Stranger Things will play Alden Ehrenreich playing Han Solo in a movie about how bad Solo a Star Wars story is? Let's get betting, just like Han Solo and Lando would. My point is, regardless of what happens... It's still a new Star Wars movie. Either it's amazing, either it is a, a controversial movie that we can have lots of debate about, or even if it is incredibly awful, it won't kill Star Wars. It will just be an experiment gone wrong. And personally, I would be excited to see any of these possibilities. They all add to the conversation. They all add to the epic history, not just in Galaxy, but in our world that is Star Wars. It is so amazing to have something like Star Wars that if you ask different people about the quality of the films, there are so many vastly different opinions, and yet it is unkillable. There were plenty of people who did not like the prequels at all, who bashed them. They were critically ravaged for the most part. And yet, get around to 2015, and Star Wars is returning, and the world turned out in record numbers, even though critically at the time people did not like the prequels. Star Wars is unkillable. So even if the Solo movie is so bad that it's an experiment in trying to kill Star Wars... That's fascinating to watch all by itself because Star Wars, much like Obi-Wan Kenobi in that original movie, cannot be killed. If you try to strike it down, it will only become more powerful. Now, I've been focusing a lot on the real Han Solo part of Solo because it's called Solo. But obviously, I know people are so excited to see Lando Calrissian, to see Donald Glover playing Lando Calrissian, to see Amelia Clark and Thandie Newton play cool new women characters in Star Wars. There's so much in this film to potentially be excited about if it is done well. So my final, my final bit of counseling, if you are still having a hard time getting excited about Solo, just think about it. It's coming out on May 25th, the anniversary of the actual release of this little space fantasy movie, that everyone thought was just going to tank and be garbage. The anniversary of those long odds of Star Wars being a success. And not just a success, probably the biggest success in entertainment ever. This long shot little origin story movie, Solo, is going to hit on the same day, on May 25th. And you're going to go see it. Even if you're not sure about it, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably going to go see it, I would guess. Now, imagine the day that you're going to see it. Probably you won't see it on May 25th. You'll probably see it on preview night on May 24th. But 
Let's keep with the romance of this. It's May 25th, and you are going to physically go to the theater to see a new Star Wars movie with Han Solo, Lando, Chewbacca, daring new characters having an adventure. Picture yourself getting in a car, getting on a bus, however you are going, and pretend to be Han Solo. Pretend you are jumping in the Falcon against all odds. The hyperspace motivator is broken, but you are zipping around. You are making daring choices. You are making quips. You are rolling your eyes. You are saying something very confident out loud, but then whispering your actual fears to Chewbacca under your breath or maybe to no one at all. Just picture yourself being Han Solo, being Lando, being whatever strange and new and awesome characters that Amelia Clark or Thandie Newton will play. Put yourself in that childlike space. No matter how old you are, whatever age you are, if you're six and you're a little jaded because you were more excited about Star Wars when you were four, just reconnect to that spirit that's being described in the synopsis. It's a new adventure. Board the Falcon in your mind. It is going to be daring. There's going to be scoundrels. You're going to be making your way through a criminal underworld, and you're going to be flying around in the Falcon with your sidekick, Chewbacca. If someone brings up the Force, Destiny, Fate, ah, just don't listen. Wave them off with a smart comment and go flying dashing, darting through space to the theater to see what I thought I would never see, a brand new adventure with Han Solo. Anyway, I hope some of those ideas uh, help you process your feelings. If you're still not excited, I hope some of them give you some other things uh, to focus on. And if nothing else, I hope my enthusiasm maybe spreads like a space germ. Hmm, space germs. Anyway, thank you as always uh, for sending in your grievances. Uh, Ron, thank you for sharing this one. I think it's a very timely one. It was a really fun one to address. Had a lot of juicy ideas in it, so thank you so much for sending that in. I still do have a few more grievances from The Last Jedi that I'm going to be trying to get to. Uh, We'll be tackling a lot of those in the next few weeks, but feel free to send in more. It can be about The Last Jedi or Star Wars stuff in general. It can be about video games, about toys. It can be about movies. It can be about cartoons. It can be about your Captain Phasma pants that you are unhappy with. I'm wearing Captain Phasma pajama pants as I record this. Anyway, sorry for the visual. Send me those grievances on Twitter or Facebook. Please do use the hashtag SWCounseling so I can find them. And speaking of finding things, you can find me on all the social medias at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed, all on josephscrimshaw.com. You can check out any live shows that I'm doing by going to my website at josephscrimshaw.com and looking at the live shows page. You can like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter as at Force Center Pod. You can support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash forcecenter and buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash forcecenter. And until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. That's it for Star Wars Counseling.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 